from Codside the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 390. Andrew with you once again. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host, fellow NLSC team member and good friend is Derek. You know him in the forum as Deeper 3 and he's Deeper 384 on Twitter. I am happy to be here with the ever-consistent and oh-so-dedicated Andrew Begley, who has been running the NLSC for over 20 years now. Yes, thank you very much. It's uh, it's a long time, <laughs> quite frankly. It's, uh, it's overwhelming to think about. It's more than half my life. I've been running the site longer than I haven't been running it at this point. Um, I'm going to be running it for a while yet. I don't see myself stopping anytime soon, as long as I'm able to and passionate about it, which I am still. Uh, we'll continue to do it. So it was... Uh, yeah, quite special to celebrate the 20 years of the site. And, of course, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the site itself, which we'll be doing some things uh, in the coming months, the rest of 2021, to do that. Some ideas we have to freshen up the site and some content as well. But, yes, thank you. And, and thank you to everybody who's been sending me nice messages when I, I put out a little statement on our on our Facebook and our Twitter and a lot of nice responses to that, a lot of supportive comments. So I, I really do appreciate it. It's really It really is the consistency that blows me away. We talked about it on the podcast with Leftos that we had um, and, and several prior episodes. Uh, it's the fact that how long has it been since you you haven't missed an article, like in a week? Uh, a daily post uh, would be uh, every day since, and we, we don't have it in the archive because we have changed content management systems a couple of times since then, but uh, December 31st, 2006. So 15 years, going on 15 years of consistent updates every day, making sure that there's something every day for people to check out. That is just ridiculous. That's why I had to lead it off with consistency, the, the words consistent and dedication. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And, uh, I, I love that people still read those articles and you get comments on them and you're still passionate about, you know, the NLSC and, you know, really enjoy, you know, not only putting content together, but seeing the community make content and, um, you know, post on the NLSC and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's been great. And I'm, and I'm really happy to be a part of the the team now. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs and the community's changed and we've got our challenges that we've faced and new ones, I'm sure that are ahead of us, but I do appreciate the support for the, the content and the people uploading to the download section. Cause obviously modding is a big part of what we do, but we want to do the original content as well and focus on that gameplay as well as the modding and, and commentary on, on basketball video games and wish lists and everything else, everything we do for basketball gaming, as I say every week on the podcast, very important. And, and yes, I, I've tried to be consistent because I remember when I discovered the NLSC, of course it was founded by Tim Lutz and Brian in 1996 when I discovered it, just coming back every single day and, and finding new stuff and, and seeing what was going to come, even when it wasn't something that I could use, even when it was, uh, well, I didn't have the game yet uh, because of the, I didn't have a fast enough PC for a while there to run some of the newer games, even just seeing what was new and seeing whether there was going to be something new. And when I made a contribution as a community member and seeing that show up on the front page, the excitement. So what I wanted to do is emulate that for everybody else who discovers the NLSC and comes to it, that there's something fresh every day, that you know, it's, it, we can't appeal to everybody with every new bit of content we have every single day, but hopefully more often than not, people are at least interested to see what, we, what we're doing and what's coming from the community or our original content. So I, I want people to have that same feeling that I always had when I visited the site before I took over it 20 years ago. Yeah, and think about how much modding has taken off and the exposure to modding, and the NLSC is a really big part of that. I'd like to think uh, so, yeah. You know, the, 
you know, the Dom 2Ks of the world uh, and, you know, the popular YouTubers who post nothing but modded content or mostly modded content. And, uh, you know, those channels may not exist. Um, and those videos specifically certainly would not exist um, oftentimes without the NLSC. Without NLSC, the NLSC bring, helping bring modding to the forefront and posting all the mods for people to download and everything. So um, it is wild what it's turned into. And, you know, we have, we have YouTubers and social media um, acts in general that have hundreds of thousands of subscribers based off of modded content that a lot of them are getting off of the NLSC. So that's got to feel pretty good. It does. And the fact that we're still around when a lot of sites have come and gone and a lot of people, and it comes down to passion and of course other priorities. And I'm fortunate that I'm in a situation where I'm still able to be passionate about it and act upon that passion. Some people have had to change priorities or, or, or whatever. And, uh, but it's, it's uh, gratifying to be still one of the early days of the bus online basketball gaming communities to be one of those content creators from the early days still around doing my, uh, doing my thing. And uh, again, a lot of nice comments from people, uh, saying that uh, I deserve more recognition for this and that. And I don't like to get uh, egotistical about it. Uh, certainly there are times when, I, when I'd say, oh, I wish that article got a few more comments or a bit more, got a bit more traction or whatever. But we, we have had some videos kind of get some uh, a fair amount of views lately. And, of course, your uh, top 10 that you're doing every week has been uh, bringing attention to the site as well. So it's, uh, and I'm grateful to you and everybody else that's been part of the NLSC team uh, over the years because – and Leftos and, and John Jasming and, and Kenny and, and Ben Arcane and uh, and, and, and Big Hort, Brendan. Uh, so many of uh, the people that have helped me out over the years. And, uh, you know, there's been some, as I said in the Leftos show, there's been some times when they've, uh, it, it's been difficult or had, there's been friction on the team or friction within the community. And as you know, there are some people who are not uh, fans of my work or the way I run the forum and uh, have uh, commented about this or that and, you know, made, made it quite personal, uh, unfortunately. Which is, uh, which is also a shame that I'm using my real name on the internet because that's what we did in the early days when it was niche and then it took off and then suddenly your real name's out there. But, uh, you know, such is life. Um, and, and it's a shame that sometimes there is that tension and people do make it so personal. But even though you do remember the bad stuff, the, the good stuff still stands out as well. And that's what I prefer to focus on because it's been so rewarding. The trips overseas, obviously, to... Uh, to the community events and, and being able to interview Tim Kitzrow and other personalities and developers and everything and, and meet people like you, uh, meeting people on the other side of the world with that shared love of basketball gaming. Uh, yes, and not to get too sappy, but it's, it's been very special, a special 20 years. Some ups and downs, of course, but I'm proud of the work I've done, proud of the work we've done as a community and looking forward to, to doing even more. No, it's it's been great. And, and yeah, without the NLSC, you and I probably would never have met. Probably not. So, no. <laughs> and, you know, we become good friends and you're playing NBA Jam OFE and, you know, all the Parsec possibilities now and playing different games and stuff like that. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> you, but, you, uh, you wouldn't have been able to uh, beat me with an incredible shot. <laughs> That'd be a live oh, 10. my God. Top 10. Yeah, we got to get into that in a minute. But I have a real question for you. Shoot. The next big question. And I, I'm wondering if you'll have a TV show on this. There's a decision. But will you be the next 2K next maker? <laughs> um. I'm not sure that I'm on their radar. And probably, even if I threw my head to the ring... Let me, let me put it this way. I couldn't get into the EA Game Changer program. So if I can't get into that, I don't think 2K is going to really want me on board somehow. I don't know if you'd want to be on board. Good point. Oh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. We've talked about it before on other shows. And um, in theory, it sounds great, right? Like, oh, look, you, you know, you 
maybe you make your content creator and you know you promote nba 2k and you get incentives for it and all of that stuff but what is because we heard about ea game changers being silenced right sure like don't critique this don't critique that all of that stuff you and i can't operate that way like no. we can't be restricted um we care too much about the truth about honesty stuff like that um i'm not sure that it would be would be something that you would seek or or like if you got it no i mean i've seen what how it works for people who have got that working relationship with 2k especially now that they have the monopoly basically on the basketball gaming space or the sim game uh, basketball gaming space at any rate it's look i'm not going to sit here and throw accusations and say that everybody who's ever worked with 2k is just uh, a shill and, and lying we we have seen people that, that absolutely shill you know we won't i won't shy away from saying there have been shills in the community unfortunately but I've seen how they've had to tap dance around things and how they've had to be very careful. And look, I understand professionalism and being constructive and, and perhaps taking a step back and realizing, okay, I need to be a bit more diplomatic about this because I do have this working relationship and I know the devs and I know them personally and, and, and I know that they, they work hard. So I'm not going to be that person, you know, two is trash and F you, this, you know, all that stuff with the people that really take it to the extreme diplomacy and professionalism. Absolutely. But that the lack of honesty that we've seen from people that have had that relationship with 2k i just have a feeling that's how it would go and i don't want to do that i don't want to have to create content where i have to lie and mislead people about the quality of the game i don't want to be silenced or lose that position because oh i I dared to speak up and say hey this isn't actually as good as you're claiming it to be and (laughs) this is this community's not happy you know to not be honest i I wouldn't be happy about that content and I, i said it in my uh in some of my in my twentieth anniversary article, the Friday Five. Look, I could create. There's a lot of content I could, could um, create, but I wouldn't be happy with it. And as as you alluded to before, because it wouldn't be honest, wouldn't be passionate about it, and that sincerity has to come through for me. And maybe that means that I don't get the perks and the exposure from working from two K, working uh, with two K rather. But it, it also means that I can look at my content and say, well, I'm happy about what I'm producing and I'm being honest about this and I'm not trying to BS my fellow gamer. And and that's, that's important to me. Right. I, I think also you would struggle with the same thing I would as far as like, if something deserves a hard critique with professionalism, it, it should get a hard critique. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept throwing um, a soft critique at something that deserves to be hammered harder 100%. and throw it at the end of the video you know what I mean? Like, don't put this in the meat of the video, but if you want to mention it, you can throw it at the end. Like, I don't want my content created like that, and I've seen that with content creators where they will hype up the game. They'll say, oh, look at these builds and all of that stuff, and they'll do it for, like, the first 45 minutes of a video, and then they'll throw a soft critique at a big issue for, like, 30 seconds or 60 seconds at the end of a video, and that's it. It's like, oh, well, I brought it up. Right. That's what they'll say. I brought brought it up. What do you mean? I, I, what do you mean? I talked about this. No, you really didn't. And you didn't give it the attention that it deserved. And we all know why. So I don't think that you and I would be good for that. Um, but here's the thing. A lot of content creators out there, um, they don't make great content. They're just promoted heavily. You and I have talked about this, right? Um, and they're promoted by the right channels. It's the same thing that is is with somebody who has 
I don't know, let's just say somebody has 800 followers and all of a sudden they become part of a program like this. They make a post that doesn't have much substance. Maybe they, they show like a quick highlight or something like that, but it gets retweet, retweeted and quote tweeted by major influencers who are trying to push that up and coming influencer, right? And then all of a sudden that, that post, which doesn't have much substance, substance or creativity at all, gets like a million impressions, right? Or gets tons of shares and all of that stuff and it gets seen by more people. Um, and a lot of the content creators um, get boosted that way. And then what happens is, is you end up getting like subpar content or below average content from some of the major content creators because all they're getting is like reply boosted and promoted constantly um, because of who they're affiliated with now, right? And because they'll push 2K or they'll push EA EA sports titles and all that stuff. So it's no different. Like same thing with the game changer program. Um, but I don't want to be somebody and I don't think you would either somebody who has my content restricted and who's promoted, um, just because of my affiliation, right? Not because my qual my, my content is great quality. Exactly. So, uh, we wouldn't last very long <laughs> thinking those programs until we, we started uh, speaking our minds perhaps. And then the, the perks and the badges would disappear and the, the in-game badges and everything would uh, suddenly uh, mysteriously disappear or not so mysterious as, as the case would be. And I understand it for people who want to make content creation a living and it's one of those necessary evils. Uh, un unfortunately, it does lead to throwing the community under the bus and we, we've seen a lot of it, obviously, and that, that lack of quality in, in, the, in the content, as you said, is, uh, is, is quite disheartening, but, but certainly that lack of honesty as well. And like you say, throwing it in at the end of the video or, or just uh, or even spending most of the video almost apologizing for the critique or, or blaming the gamer like, oh, well, yeah, it's a problem. But re really, gamers expect too much. We're kind of selfish and whiny and entitled. They're asking for value for money or legacy issues to be corrected after so many years. So it's, it's kind of pushing that back onto the community. And I, I hate that. I, I don't like content that critiques but but softens that critique so much that it's, it suddenly becomes the gamer's fault that the, that the game has problems right exactly no and i agree with that i was just watching the video again actually the kind of the 2k announcement from their main handle and i know i noticed that um troy dens dressed up as a hot dog in it but no he's showcased a couple times and for those who don't know um it says we're looking uh, introducing next makers we're looking for creators worldwide to partner with at play wonderlands at midnight suns at nba 2k and all our and uh, all our titles let's connect and it says dev access exclusive info affiliate opportunities hype you and more so like hype yourself basically like grow your channel grow your your brand and then it says think your next head to next makers dot 2k dot com so i know of a couple of people that have already applied um or who are applying and i also um know that uh a couple of people that i follow have already been accepted as next makers and they receive their next makers package and whatnot so this is definitely a thing it sounds an awful lot like the ea game changer program big surprise um but, yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes. I mean, hopefully. Right. I, I've seen a couple of people that I follow, too, get it, and I, I know them to be pretty on the level, so hopefully it does work out for the best. Because, like you say, in theory, this is a good idea. It is unfortunate that, and this is something I've seen change over the 20 years that I've been running the NLSC, is that change in interaction with the developers. Obviously, now everybody has access to them through social media, if you are respectful and follow them and, and whatnot. But 
there has been that change where they would seek out people like us at the NLSC and at the, back in the day, the guys at NBA Live.org and other people who were running gaming sites and had uh, built communities and followings and, and were creating content of, of some kind and criticizing games or critiquing games and reviewing them and, and covering the news and, and so forth and creating content based on them as we do, that they would seek them out. And it wasn't just the, okay, who's got the big following that we can latch onto and promote? And they, they wanted, they, they stressed to us to be honest in our feedback. And they wanted that, and they wanted that at the community events. And a lot of that's been shuffled out to the the influencer crowd and, and who's got the biggest following and who can promote the game rather than who can actually give us the best quality feedback. And, and anybody who doesn't really toe the line kind of gets shuffled out. And it's it's a real shame that it used to be the, okay, who's who are the most passionate, knowledgeable people in the community, which I felt I was one of back in the day at least uh when it came to nba live and i'd like to think that i still know a thing or two about uh, both live and 2k these days uh you know who's the most passionate and knowledgeable that's who we want to connect with in the community now it's okay who's got the biggest following and the most uh, subscribers or whatever on youtube that we can latch onto and we can bring them in under our umbrella and really promote the game and look it's a, it's a sound strategy don't get me wrong you know i understand the reasons for it and look people say oh well it's just sour grapes. You you fell behind. You didn't. You don't have a big enough audience. You, you, you're just bitter. Hey, maybe a little bit. But I, but I know how good it was when we were able to not just us, but other people in our position give that quality feedback and be involved with it. And when it was about connecting with those people and not just okay, let's hype up the game and pull the wool over the community's eyes and create content that's that's kind of shallow and and very much hyping up the game and, and glossing over issues. It's it, that's been a very unfortunate change over the years. There's a lot of things that have improved in the community over the years and connections and everything, but that is one thing that I think has really gone downhill. And it's the explosion of social media. If I can get on my old man yells at cloud uh, <laughs> soapbox for a moment, the explosion of social media has it, it is it is a factor absolutely. The explosion of social media and the explosion of online play and the issues that come with it, and the pushing people to online and stuff. I think it heavily factors in the the increase in. Um, not just the increase, but the invent of microtransactions and the um, non-consumer friendly um, stuff. And like, like I was just thinking about it too, while you were talking, I was like, did, you know, if Andrew, if they ever reached out to Andrew or myself and they said, Hey guys, you need to tone down what you say about our microtransactions process. We would be like, hell no. Yeah, (laughs) we're not going to do that. Or if they said to me, they said, you know what, you know, there's this is the reason why defense is the way it is. You've got to tone down about, um, you know, the blow buys about, you know, the defense moving out of the way and us just being able, you know, you just being able to go to the hoop. I'm like, I'd be like, hell no. Like, I'm not going to stop talking about that. It's been an issue that's plagued the game for years and it really frustrates people. And um, the AI needs to be stronger. So, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, you and I, I was like, you know what, maybe we should throw our hats in the ring and, you know, fill out an application. And then if it goes sour, we can just leave. Right. Like something like that. But then at the same time, it's like, do I want to be affiliated with a company? Would I even attempt to be affiliated with a company that is running things the way they are right now? Right. So like, there's just a lot of different things that go into it. Um, But I will say this just to circle back. How about that top 10 plays of the week? How about that um, the game we had, the 2002 um, on NBA Live 10? Oh, that's, that's incredible. And, and, you know, just just to wrap up on that point, 
would we be able to cover the amount of games we do if we're working for 2K and you know going back and playing Live 10? Probably not. And then we'd miss out on talking about what was a fantastic game of Live 10 over Parsec. Uh, the 2002 Clippers versus the 2002 Mavericks makeshift retro teams uh, with using fantasy teams, which has kind of been our thing in Live 10 uh, since we figured out we could do that and figured out how to do it with the players left in the game. Pretty pretty authentic for the most part. You know, as we said before, it's surprisingly authentic, though, at least the way we put it together and play with it. There was a part of me that was like, damn, I lost. But at the same time, what a cool way to lose. I said that um, in a th- about the next maker thing. I said that actually in a response to somebody. I said, you know, I like to cover all sorts of games. I like to show gameplay from all sorts of games, all different companies, um, et cetera. Not just 2K, but NBA Live and, and some of the old companies um, that were making games that no longer make basketball video games anymore. Um, I wouldn't want to be restricted from doing that. Are you kidding me? You're going to tell me I can't fo- like post uh, gameplay footage from Parsec playing other games? Like Stuff like that is the stuff that I worry about. I'm not saying that they would as part of that program. That could be just a, um, a crazy abs- assumption of mine. But I would guess that they would want our content to be focused solely or mostly on 2K. I think and, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that that would put a big hitch in what we love. So it would hurt. It would remove some of the stuff that we love to do and post and engage and, and whatnot. Um, as far as that Live 10 game, Dirk fails me every time I use him. He does. I'm taking good shots. I'm yeah. wide open. I'm missing everything. He started off that game four for 14. And um, I'm taking good shots. And you're you're running it down my throat with Darius Miles and hitting threes with Quentin Richardson like he's Steph Curry. And um, what a wild game. Uh, it was a really fun game. Like you said, we did makeshift rosters, 2002 uh, Mavericks. Um, versus 2002 Clippers, and we had enough players to make it realistic. Um, the court for the Mavericks is very close today the, to what it was back then. They're one of the least changed courts, so it looked good too. But the number one play of the week came from that game. You threw a pass to, I think it was Quentin Richardson, which I don't blame you, to try to win the game, and it was tied up. And I intercepted the pass and did a spin move with Michael Finley and launched it, launched a shot, probably, say, 8 to 10 feet, um, behind half court, fifty and footer. It, that, that, might, that might have been the biggest swish I've ever seen in video game history. <laughs> yeah, that <No>. net <laughs> exploded. Oh God. It, yeah, it exploded. And what an uh, amazing call! Like on the call, the the announcers, the way they reacted to it, um, the the instant replay right after. It was just like a perfect moment. I told you, like my brother was actually watching us play, and he said, "Holy crap!" But with the S word. And Holy bleep. <laughs> it was, how rare is that for that game to end that way um, on a game winner? That was just fantastic. It was Michael Finley, by the way. It was the the whole battle up to that point because I'd kind of fallen behind. Then I, I pulled ahead. Uh, you had a couple of, as you say, Dirk was, was letting you down. I made a couple of big threes with uh, Gwen Richardson, Eric Pietkowski, another video game legend of mine. Uh, playing on the Bulls in that case, but on the Clippers in this case, as he was in 2002, and back and forth battle in the in the in the fourth. Thought that I, I might be able to pull it out, but then you tied it up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold for the last shot because worst worst case scenario goes no overtime. And I was trying to run down the clock, and then I do make that pass, and you intercept. And I thought, okay, well, you'll be on half court, right? So this is probably you're going to you're going to fling it, but it's probably going to be I'm going to have to get this done in overtime with the young Clippers against the the Mavericks. And then it goes up, and then it just as you say, the net, boom, just explodes straight up through the rim. Uh, yeah, I, I was just, 
yeah, I just no way. You know, I wish we were mic'd up for it. What what a shot that there's that is going to be one of the best plays I think we've seen already in our sessions. I've not seen that many in all of my years of playing basketball games. Something that spectacular that half court heave, just just crazy way to win. Like I say, I'm not even that mad. Really, a spin move too, right? It was oh, just yeah. like off of a sweet spin move, all in one motion. Ball goes sailing through the. I mean, did you see the arc on that shot? It was high. You can see it on play. I mean, I can't even believe how high up that went. It went off camera in the regular footage, and it just went, just exploded the net. And um, what about the amazing attention to detail signature wise? So you noted it earlier in the game. Darius Miles had his. Um, he threw it down and he did his, um, the, the, uh, fists up to the forehead. Head tap, forehead tap, yeah. 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 Whatever they call it. And then later Quentin Richardson also did his after, um, you hit a three and we actually captured that. You shared it from the NLSE channel. It's that signature stuff. That's amazing in that game. And it just adds a whole new dimension to that matchup. It was great. It really is. And what impresses me about that is that, Darius Miles was on his way out of the league. He made a comeback, a brief comeback with the with the Grizzlies the year before. So he was a free agent by default, I believe, or possibly on the Grizzlies still in the, in the default roster. And Stromal Swift is in the game. He has his signature, where, you know, where he crosses his um, his hands. That his signature uh, uh, celebration as well. He was on uh, 2009 was his last year in the league. He's in live ten, but he didn't actually play that year and, and never played in the NBA again. In fact. So these are players that were out of the league or on their way out of the league, and they've still got their signatures in there. And look, I know that 2K has, has recently done that too with all their animations, but it just goes to show how much detail went into Live 10. And, and again, to be putting together that 2002 Clippers team, and you've got Kurich and you've got uh, you know, Miles doing the, uh, the forward tap as they did uh, back in the day. Yeah, it, it just was that level of authenticity in a, a makeshift situation, which is what makes that fantasy team's mode so special for us, that we're able to do that, and it... It kind of works really well, and it's we've said it before, putting it together, there's something special, a big novelty in taking those assets that are in the game, putting them together, and making it work. And then on top of that, you have this great competitive game where we're back and forth, and then just an incredible game-winning shot. Man, that's what it's all about with basketball video games. This, this is why we cover games. This is why I'm still playing games decades later, and why I'm still talking about them and creating content for them on the NLSC 20 years later. Because we get stories like this. This is why it's more about modding, more than about modding, right? It's yep. not about just modding. I mean, we're using stock assets here and putting this together. Um, we're not even changing any of the ratings. We're putting the teams together, jumping on the floor, um, jumping on the court, and just having fun. And how awesome is that? Um, that's what I miss, that loose fun and that human versus human five-on-five five experience. It's just human, human versus human and t- in human team-ups in general that are in a fun atmosphere playing fun games that aren't just super frustrating. I also want to point something out that, you know, those the signature stuff with guys that are either uh, on their way out of the league or out of the league, et cetera, or just, you know, hanging out on the free agent list, not even signed to a team. When they put signatures for guys like that, that shows me that the dev team cared. They cared about the product and they were having fun with it. 100%. It makes me think that the dev team and the program coordinators, even if they don't have their hands on making the animations, the people giving the directions, that they're having fun with it. And guess what? It makes for a more fun uh, experience for the end user, which is us, for the consumer. 
Life um, so. is packed with that. You look at Steve Nash sitting down on the sideline instead of being on the bench. And no matter what team he's on, fantasy teams, or if you yeah. trade him around, or look at Vince Carter getting booed in Toronto, but if you trade him back to Toronto, they cheer him. That's incredible. Yeah. People don't understand. People don't understand that EA Sports was doing some great things at that point. They just don't get it. I mean, that was fantastic. And, you know, we hadn't played NBA Live 10 in a little bit because we were on the road trip on NBA Jam OFE, and both of us have also been kind of busy um, with stuff. And we jumped back into it after a couple weeks of not really playing it much, and it was a blast. And that's awesome. And think about how long this kick, and that tells you something, too. Like, if you can just jump into a game after a couple weeks of not playing it, and the sticks feel right, you know what I mean? Like, the game feels good still, and you're like, hey, this is great, and hey, this is why we were on that kick for a couple months, etc. That says uh, replayability. It says there's quality components to the game that it's fun, all of that stuff. I've talked to you about some of the titles that I've been revisiting lately, like And One Basketball, um, And One Streetball, and Street Hoops, and stuff like that. And I pick up those games, and I'm playing them, and I'm like, yeah, I could play this for a couple hours. And I could revisit revisit this in a week. I could revisit this in a month, and I could still have a good time. Um, You guys are going to see a a top 10 play coming um, next in next week's countdown from And One Streetball. And it's fantastic. It can't be duplicated in another video game that way, right? And when it happened, I was actually playing with the Live King. He was connected to me using Parsec. We were both like top 10. That's crazy. <laughs> you I said you said it after the three-pointer with Finley as well. I'm like, yeah. yeah no, no question, I I man. Said, I think I said top 10 and you said top one. And my brother at the same time, you were around that time and you said like top one. He goes, that's number one for uh, the top 10 plays of the week. Um, But yeah, it just tells you a lot about um, the dedication and the love for making the game when you see that stuff in it, like the Quentin Richardson stuff. It really really does. And and it speaks volumes that they they hold up that we're playing them. You and I, we admit that we're kind of crazy as far as our retro gaming habits with basketball. But at the same time, I've been enjoying playing 2K14. Uh, even though, though I'm so sick of my career in the recent games, it's just been fresh to go back and, and play it because I never did back in the day. Just just going through it and seeing the story unfold and seeing stuff that I hadn't seen before, it's it speaks volumes that I've been enjoying that more than playing 2K21. And I've had some fun with 2K21, we've said this before, but it just feels fresher to go back to those games when it was just about the experience on the, on the, on the virtual blacktop or the virtual hardwood, whatever you want to say, depending on the mode, of course. And, and as for N1 Streetball, I, I have written a, uh, a way back Wednesday on that. That will be coming out at some point in the future. Just have to decide when I want to schedule all my articles that I've written in advance. But that that is a really good game that I missed back in the day. And I, I picked it up uh, with for my collection. And uh, that's getting harder to collect some of those games, which we'll touch on in this episode as well. But I added that to the collection. Was quite impressed with it, how it uh, held up and, and just doing the different things with the N1. And it's very interesting that it's kind of that hybrid sim and arcade style of game. And I know that uh, Lady Culture, shout out to Lady Culture, has brought it up before that there's not a lot of sim-oriented streetball games. They tend to be like your NBA Street, which is that arcade style, which is a lot of fun. Love Street is I love Jam. But to have that more sim-oriented streetball experience that only a couple of games have really kind of gone down that road with Street Hoops and uh, And One Streetball being a couple of them, both made by Black Ops, I believe different publishers but both the same developer and it's that 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 hybrid style that I, that I really appreciate it's kind of that up tempo 
uh, pace that you have of, of, uh, of an arcade game and, and they're jumping maybe a little bit higher or, or dunking a little bit more than you could realistically do in a, in a sim game. It's a, it, it's a quality game and it's great to go back to those games, especially if you're sick of all the grinding and everything else in a current game. Uh, dust off an old favorite or, or check out some games that maybe you kind of overlooked as, as I have with some of these games and it, it's very rewarding. Well, the Log King had never played it before and won Street Bowl. It's kind of obscure, I guess, in some ways. It, it didn't really get... I mean, it's right there in the middle of the rise of 2K and NBA Live still being a, a top name in the, in the market. So it, it kind of flew under the radar, I feel. Yeah, it was also a PlayStation 2 title in 2006 when the new generation of consoles were coming out. Mm. So that's another thing why I think it kind of fell apart um, as far as like popularity goes. But people, people need to understand, too, first off, And One Street Ball was huge in the early 2000s. I just want to point that. I mean, it was talked about constantly. Um, they were featured on the Nike commercials that included some NBA players and whatnot. Um, you know, you, you knew names like Escalade, Helicopter, uh, The Pharmacist, uh, all of those guys, The Professor, um, Spida. Like, those were household names in the early 2000s. Um, so revisiting that also has that nostalgia bit as well because it has all of them. And there's so many players to choose from. I swear there's like 30 players. I have to look it up. There's so many players to choose from. It's just a laundry list of street ballers when you're picking your teams and whatnot. But, you know, the Live King had never played it before, and we talked about it after, and, and, and I was like, first off, try to duplicate these highlights that we did in these games and other games. And he, and he was like, yeah, we can't do that. Like, he was, he's like, name a game that can do it, and he's like, none, which is true. It's, it's unique. It's a unique game. But we both, he, he touched on it. He was like, it's the atmosphere two that brings it out like the atmosphere in that and one street ball game is unbelievable everything from the sound effects to the hype man on the court to just everything the, the on-court chatter all of that stuff the atmosphere is so important in bringing a game to life and the atmosphere in and one street ball is unbelievable it's just it, it blows us away but you're right at street hoops and and one basketball are a mixture between sim and arcade which is kind of how street ball is in real life if you really think about it it has arcade elements and moves that you can't pull off in an organized setting but at the same time you're not jumping 30 feet in the air right so like i think that those two games stand out as really fun unique titles and i've re re revisited street hoops as well recently on both gamecube and on um playstation 2 and it holds up so well is it as good as nba street not really um but it has very good gameplay and the main gameplay mode in street Ho hoops can be played with a friend the entire mode which is really cool um, another thing about Street Hoops that I want to point out, and I may make a video on this, the jump shots look amazing. I can't even believe how good the mechanics are on jump shooting on Street Hoops. That game, I believe, came out in 2003, and it's like I could shoot jumpers all day on that game. But, yeah, I, I think the, just to circle back, I think the atmosphere plays a big factor, too, in you getting immersed in the action. And, and one street ball just has great sound, great atmosphere, all of that. And it stands apart. It's not just like, oh, we've taken an NBA game and reskinned it. And there are some parts that are a bit clunky because they don't have that, that history of developing a game as EA and 2K have had, where they've, where they've had something to build on and had those really solid mechanics and animations. There are some bits that are a bit wonky, but at the same time, it it's, does not make the game unplayable by any stretch of the imagination. And as you said, the vibe is just perfect and one and, and, and has that great cult, all, all the, that culture, that streetball culture that was such a big part of the early 2000s, like you said. Is, is just very well captured by it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's quite a solid game, and it, it's definitely worth picking up. 
So fun fact, uh, you did note that there's a lot of players that you can choose from in that Anbon Street Ball. One of the players is Mark Jindrak, who was actually a professional wrestler. But after he was released by WWE in 2005, uh, that game came out in late 2005, I, I believe, he spent some time with the And One Mixtape Tour when they came through Atlanta, where he lived at the time. And he he actually had the highest vertical leap of any wrestler in the company because he has a background in basketball, played college ball, I believe. And he won a dunk contest and played a couple of games with the with the tour when they were there in, um, in Atlanta and actually ended up in the game. And so he he appears in both that and WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. So he's actually, in the same year, he appeared in a basketball game and a wrestling game. Perhaps the only person to do that. But yes, he's at, he is actually there, Mark Jindrak, as a uh, selectable character in uh, N1 Street Ball. Very cool. Uh, wrestling modders on Twitter, he um, that account and I were conversing about that. And uh, Mark himself jumped into the thread and said, hey... Uh, good eye guys yes that is me and gave us that backstory so that was very cool you know shout out to mark himself for jumping in and, and giving us the inside scoop in that trivia people don't realize how many eyes are on some of this stuff this content sometimes these guys um will jump in and comment and whatnot and it's, it's really cool uh i think also um correct me if i'm wrong i haven't played the whole story mode on that but i believe skip to my loo uh ray for austin is unlockable yes in I, that game I, I skip to my loo yeah yeah, which is awesome because he's actually featured um, in a couple of the splash screens. You can see um, Skip to My Loose Face in the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's amazing. Uh, I think it, it there's definitely a nostalgia piece to it, but you're not going to play a video game long just because of nostalgia, right? Like, no. the, the, the gameplay still has to be good. It does, Like, the yeah. gameplay has to be sound. It has to be fun. Um, so I've been playing that game quite a bit lately, and I just enjoy it. So, yeah, we definitely need more games like that. But I told you this before the call, too. It made me realize how weak some of the um, gameplay elements are on NBA Playgrounds. Not only the atmosphere, but just the pace, where it just feels like it's in slow motion. I put NBA Playgrounds and NBA Playgrounds 2 on after I played some street hoops and after I played some um, and one basketball and after my brother and I finished the NBA Street Volume 2 um, NBA Challenge mode. And, my, man, that game's slow. It man, is. for an arc game where you can jump really high up in the air, um, where it's uh, you got cartoon-looking NBA players with big heads and, and little bodies and all of that stuff, and it just drags. And I did like Playgrounds for what it was, and my brother and I did spend a lot of times with Playgrounds 2 and NBA Playgrounds, but man, was it missing action. Man, was it missing, like, great atmosphere. Vine, it, it, yes. It, it yeah, the mechanics weren't as good. You couldn't pull off as many fun things all of that stuff and it's like now i see why it didn't you know you see even clearer why it didn't catch on like some of those older titles like nba street volume 2 because it's just not fun action overall like it's not it has its moments but it's not as fun gameplay wise it's it's solid. you know soul is one of those overused words i know and i've used it a couple of times on this show to, and also to to uh to describe and one street ball it's it's fine like it is not. I've played much worse basketball games than Playgrounds and Playgrounds Two. It is. I referred to it as a poor man's NBA Jam crossed with Street before, and I stand by that. And it sounds more insulting than I mean it to be, really. But at the same time, it just doesn't capture that same spirit that Street or or Jam did. It's it's admirable. It gave us something new to play. It it can be fun in its own right. Uh, it does have some very. It, it's not great as a single player game which is how i play a lot of these games and that's the that's the great thing about jam and street because I, I know you play a lot more multiplayer than uh, perhaps i have consistently over the years 
but Street and Jam are still fun to play against the CPU. For me, anyway. Playgrounds, not so much. And the vibe is not there, the atmosphere is not there, the mechanics are... They're okay, but they've kind of brought in, as we've said before, those... That, that sim element to an arcade game with a shot meter and, and uh, lower shooting percentages from three and, and missing too many dunks and things like that. It's just not as fun. And even the commentary, you know, it just kind of, kind of a miss there. And, I, you know, Iron Eagle is a, is a pretty good commentator when in, in a sim game or in real life, for that matter, obviously, he is a, a real commentator. But that, that commentary is just, when it's not dry, it's snarky in a, I mean... Tim Kitzrow has got some wonderfully snarky lines in Jam and kind of poking fun at you when you lose the ball or whatever, but it's kind of light-hearted and it feels good. When Iron Eagle and his, uh, you know, he's got various uh, YouTubers actually in Playgrounds too, and I forget who, who his uh, offsider is in the first game. I, I believe it's the possibly one of the announcers or hype men from, uh, from Rucker Park, whose name escapes me at the moment. But it feels mean-spirited it doesn't feel good it feels overly snarky it's like it's really making fun of you for well i didn't really mess up there <laughs> that's just the game and it's it's sort of people say are we being too sensitive but no it's not that it's just like it doesn't it doesn't have that fun vibe and atmosphere that's what i'm getting at yeah his commentary doesn't bother me in nba playgrounds but it doesn't stand out yeah right so it's, it doesn't stand it's it's not great it's not bad it's it's accept. it's good it's good commentary it just doesn't stand out and I think that I and Eagle, I told you about this, I, I believe he's on the mics with Bill Walton um, in NBA Shootout 2004, and that works really well for him. And I, I'm not saying he's, he did poorly either. I just think that um, how, how excited do you think he's going to possibly be on the mic when the game plays the way it does? Yeah. Right? We just talked case. What do you expect? And what do I expect? Like, I can't expect him to do much better. Um on that because the game drags in comparison to a game like NBA Jam OFE. And you and I have been playing so much of NBA Jam OFE lately, and um, I don't remember what level I'm up to, but we've finished several divisions and whatnot, and you just get so immersed in that gameplay. You know, because of the pace, because of the atmosphere, um, it supports the commentary from Tim Kittrow, too. It does. That pace atmosphere um the way the players move on the court and the action and what's happening and all of that stuff um and he has more lines um he has more catchy lines and stuff like um what was what was oh durant's got his groove back right like he'll say stuff like simple stuff like that um he's on him like a like a rug or something like that like he has so many different catchy lines um and he delivers them so well, and he's so excited when he's doing them. And the pace of the game matches what he's doing and staying. Um, that's why that game is so great, atmosphere-wise. Great, like almost, it just yeah. makes a lot. Of sense. No, the, yeah. EA, the EA Jam games, I still, I still feel they're underrated because people look at them and say, "Oh, it's EA, and it's, it's they're not good games." But no, they are fantastic games. On Fire Edition is arguably the best game in the series, one of the best arcade basketball games of all time. Uh, I stand by that, and that's a fantastic game. Love playing it. Speaking of Tournament Edition, which is my other favorite NBA Jam game from back in the day, uh, I showed you one of the prices of trying to get the PlayStation 1 version, and I, I can't even... You, that version that I showed you, I wouldn't be able to play anyway because that was the NTSC version, so I'd, I'd be importing it from the US and wouldn't be able to play it on my well PS2 or PS3 uh, with, the, with its emulator, PS1 emulator in both those consoles. But... That was about 170 Australian dollars that came out to uh, buy now, 
and a lot of games are getting more expensive and there's been a lot of talk lately about the uh, game appraisal really raising artificially inflating the prices and a lot of it's your classics like your a boxed zelda or a boxed uh, original super mario brothers and things like that but i had a look on ebay at some of the games and they are, they're all coming up in price and even basketball games are starting to feel it uh, there's, there's, I saw an NBA Elite 11 on there for 27000 Australian dollars. And I mean, that is a rare collectible that's kind of a, in its own class, that uh, NBA Elite 11 being an unreleased game that's leaked out, a few copies leaking out in circulation. But even like a Jam, a jam Tournament Edition for PS1 is not a rare game as such. And even in, in a box, in the long box, $170 plus 95 postage from America, I, I, yeah, you know, even if I could run that game on my hardware... I, I'm not paying that much. I already have Jam Tournament Edition for Super Nintendo and PC, and, and those versions are great too. I wouldn't mind the PS1 version just to complete the collection, but we're seeing that that the uh, the valuation of, of games artificially inflating the prices, and it's it seems to be coming to it's going to be harder to collect for you and I moving forward. Yeah, you know, I can understand games like let's say the original Final Fantasy, right? One of the most um, coveted games of all time. If you have an original in box mint condition final fantasy one for the nes i can see the price being up there a little bit sure right yeah but when you talk about games like nba jam tournament edition or a game like double dragon or something like that that you know the play like you said the playstation version of nba jam tournament edition that's not like a super rare or like overly over the top worldwide popular title etc and you see and you see prices for those games that are like you had stated you know in the hundreds or thousands of dollars that's incredibly sketchy deceptive and questionable and you and i both watched a video um about a company that's kind of in this space now that um is supposedly the premier company for rating these video games retro these retro video games um that's super sketchy. It is. And I wanted to know yeah. on that video, um, if you could like summarize it. So yeah, basically these, these services are kind of all working together to value the games and kind of put the, put the ratings similar to, to comic ratings, like the, as far as mint condition and everything. And with games, it's, it's basketball part ratings, right? right. Yeah. Or, or basketball any, or any, any collectibles. Yeah. Giving them ratings as, as far as, as far as their mint condition, their rarity, whether they are, misprints and things like that which often drive up the price because they're even rarer collectibles i I believe for example super mario brothers 3 there is a a separate version where the 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 3 or the mario 3 is off off center there's kind of a run of them where they're they're, they're, it's off off to the side the the text so that in itself is a collectible on top of this i mean that's just a great game to have in your collection and play super mario brothers 3 for the the original nintendo entertainment system so (laughs) I'm, I'm not about to, and I've, I've still got my original copy that I got all way back in the 90s. So I'm not about to spend that money. But you can see how, I mean, yeah, that's a rare collectible, like an Elite 11 and everything with it unreleased and, and whatnot. And there's been some other unreleased games. The uh, the PAL version of uh, Lakers versus Celtics for the Sega Mega Drive, which is the PAL version of the uh, Genesis. So things like that. Yes, rare collectibles and unreleased games are going to be more expensive, but you're especially your annual releases and your your fairly common games like an NBA Jam and Tournament Edition, those first two Jam games, the home ports of that, they're not that rare. And and yes, maybe may ready to get them complete in box in good condition, 
but it's still a very inflated price. They're working together to drive up that price, and, and even saying when they buy these games that they're going to put them up to auction. So they're already floating that idea that they're going to make a big profit out of this, and it's uh, it's a shame because it is pricing a lot of people who would love to just have the games to to play, to have in their collection, not just to have on a shelf or, or to sell later on or to, to flip for even more money. I mean, there are collectors who do that, and if that's what you want to do and you're spending your money and that's how you get your enjoyment out of life, that's fine, you know, to each their own. But a lot of people would just love to get these old classics from their childhood or, or check out a game they've never played before, and now, they're, now they've got to pay that much for this. I mean, some games like a original Mario's are on... The, uh, they're available digitally on, on new consoles, but not all of them. Certainly not a game like Tournament Edition is not available because of licensing issues. The only way to play it is either to source those original copies or, hey, you know, emulation. That's wild. I think like, the entire thing is wild, and um, I really feel bad for those people who do pay those prices and think they have no other way to you know get, get a hold of these games. So um, I did want to touch on that really quick, though, because I just think that's absolutely crazy. And the basketball card market right now is booming, as you know. Mm. And uh, I I believe like a Kobe Bryant card recently went for like $2 million, I want to say. Uh, It was a rookie card, uh, possibly signed and whatnot. So for those of you who have basketball cards, I would take a look to see how much they're worth and maybe um, go get them graded. But yeah, the basket, the sports card market is booming, and I heard that same thing with like Pokemon cards and whatnot. Oh, it's, so. it do- doesn't surprise me at all. But uh, but speaking of collecting games and, and shooting up in price, I, I think I've mentioned it before. I, I know I have it in an article. I think I brought it up on the show before as well. But there's a uh, 2K10 for PC, which is not a rare game. It is literally the best-selling game that year, possible game that year. 2K10 was because because of course they outsold 2K 2K9 outsold. Live 09, the previous year. So 2K10, best-selling game. PC, okay, it's, it's not the premier, the top platform, probably a little bit rare on that platform, but a couple of sealed copies I saw on eBay of 2K10 PC for $10,000 for the two of them. And I thought, this this is just because it has Kobe Bryant on the cover and he is tragically passed away in the accident. Like that, and that kind of disgusted me to see that, because that, that is another example of artificially boosting the price of a game. Because 2K10... It's 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 pretty good. Two K eleven is a lot better, but and, and yes, it's sealed and there's two copies of them and and certainly yes, Kobe's on the cover. But that is not a ten thousand dollar game. Okay, even five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars for two. It is not a five thousand dollar game. I mean, as you know, I, I picked up NBA two K ten for the PC over the last couple of years, uh, the disc version because it wasn't available anymore on Steam and whatnot. And I want to say I only spent, I don't know. 20 bucks on it and whatnot. Uh, it's still the same game. Yeah. Uh, I still got it quote unquote new. Like it's still the new, new game. How does it work? It works just like that, you know, thousand dollar version, yeah. $100 version or whatever version to put it out there as, so, you know what? I'm happy with my NBA 2K10 and yeah. what I paid for. Yeah. It. I had to get a second copy because my copy seemed to be a bit scratched. The, uh, the disc wasn't being read properly anymore by the, uh, any of my uh, desktops or, or laptop, so I needed to get a second copy as a, as a backup copy, and I I did find one that was much cheaper. Did not I did not pay ten thousand dollars for two sealed copies of uh, of two K ten, but but I saw that and I thought that that's a bit rich, you know, and, and doing that as well to kind of capitalize on uh, 
uh, on Kobe's tragic uh, passing, it was uh, a bit distasteful as well. But but certainly, yes, the it can be an expensive hobby, and I'm quite happy, uh, very happy, in fact, that my collection is as big as, as it is, and that I haven't spent too much money over the years, and that uh, that I've amassed that collection before it's uh, before maybe some of those games really shoot up in price, or that I've kept my games that I originally had. I, I feel very fortunate about that. Exactly, and you know what? The people that put up those prices, um, they know that somebody out there will buy it. That's why they're doing it. I mean, they they know that somebody out there is going to spend that kind of money on a uh, mint condition Kobe Bryant cover NBA 2K10 game, and um, they'll they don't care how else they're how to you know if it's fair or not. They'll just you know they just want to make the money. No question. So. No question. But, uh, of course, 2K10 going head-to-head with Live 10. And speaking of head-to-head and Live 10, we're going to be doing the tournament in NBA Live 10. You put together the brackets. We're going to be doing it over Parsec. So that's that's going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, we're supposed to be starting the games this weekend. Um, Q, a.k.a. Eric, is having issues with his computer at the moment. Um, so his games might not be able to start this weekend. But we can get some of the other games in. Um, I'll be hosting most of them, if not all of them, on Parsec, um, and that's something that I kind of want to do, not only because I have a strong internet connection and I know that the experience will be good for the two end users who are playing against each other, um, but I get to take the highlights. Exactly. And I get to put that stuff together for the community um, and really highlight the tournament and these great games and great plays that are made. Uh, I think it's unbelievable that we can do this. I think it's unbelievable that Parsec allows me to host other you know people can connect with me as the host on parsec and play games right off of my desktop against each other uh it just opens up a world of possibilities uh, and you know i plan on us doing a lot of few um a lot of tournaments yeah uh, you know we've got 10 we've got the NLSC. Yeah, yeah we've got live 10 we've got obviously come march we can do the march madness NCAA basketball tournaments we've got jam jam on fire edition there's there's definitely a lot we can do and it, we no longer have to rely on the servers being online so it's it's fantastic and it should be fun to to do you know we're both going to be participating we're on opposite sides of the bracket so we'll see if we can make it through to the finals and uh, face each other but yeah it, sh- it should be a a great uh, a great tournament yeah i ended up choosing the nuggets even though they don't have iverson which it's the iverson teams that i really love the iverson nugget teams but they still have bones from those teams uh like it's it is Billups, but they just still have J.R. Smith and Kenyon Martin and Nene and Carmelo Anthony and and whatnot. So um, I feel like that would be a really fun team for me to compete with, and I would have felt a little bit guilty using the Celtics, just because I feel like they could be a little bit overpowering. So uh, yeah, we'll see if we can meet and have a Nuggets Bulls finals. But um, there's plenty of talented uh, NLSC members that are taking part in the tournament, so we could easily be knocked out as well. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, keep an eye out for that footage. And uh, those recaps and box scores and whatnot. Definitely, we'll be doing that and announcing future tournaments uh, as we put them together. And of course, seeing what we can do as far as streaming and whatnot. We do need to look into that because it's not something we've done a lot of before, or <laughs> really done at all before, but uh, we will see. But uh, apart from that, Derek, you know, we've talked a lot about old games, but there is actually a new game coming out, which surprisingly we're almost an hour into the show now, and we haven't talked about it, which is uh, NBA 2K22. It's been one of those weird previous seasons, maybe the weirdest on record. We do have a couple of courtside reports, aka developer blogs, come out this week about the seasons and also the WNBA. Uh, just run, quickly running down the seasons uh, courtside report summary that I posted on the, the front page and in the forum. So seasons are going to be in my career, the W Online, 
W Online is only going to be a next-gen version of 2K22, as it was in 2K21. Uh, and my team, first season tips off with the launch of the game, is going to be called Called the Ball. Each season is going to last about six weeks, which is what it uh, did in 2K21. 40 levels to each season, same as my team last year. It's also going to apply to uh, my career and the W as well. Exploring the city and the neighborhood, completing quests, and playing the connector modes are going to be how you earn XP, uh, much the same way as doing different tasks on the agenda in uh, my team which also returns this year uh rewards in my career include apparel banners badge points and, and also you're actually going to be able to unlock inline skates and at level 40 for the first uh the first season derek a go-kart to get around the uh the city or the neighborhood oh, how, how lovely yeah that's what everybody asking. <laughs> yeah really. who, who needs de- uh, proper matchmaking or gameplay balance when we can have go-karts um and look, snark aside, Things like that. Yeah, not get off with that, man. How is that not my icebreaker? <laughs> you can't wait for your go. I, I know we we really buried the lead on this one. Um, look, and, and Ronnie, Ronnie tweeted out uh, Mario Kart eat your heart out. I think Mario Kart's probably going to be the better go kart game. Uh, just putting it out there. And I haven't played Mario Kart since Mario Kart sixty four, and I will still say that Mario Kart sixty four will probably be a better kart game than uh, go karts in the city in the neighborhood. Look. It's it's the way it's going with my career, and it's it also suggests that getting around is probably going to need vehicles, and these are at least free vehicles that you can unlock. All these rewards are free. They, they did mention that in the developer blog. Of course, that also means there's going to be a lot of stuff in my career, as always, that is not free, and you have to budget your VC between attribute upgrades, ratings upgrades, and apparel and equipment, which, yeah, which is just the way it goes. Uh, my team seasons will function similar to 2K21 with the use of agendas. There's going to be seasonal clothing items in my career. Uh, new songs are going to be added to the soundtrack every Friday throughout the season. Each season will have its own uh, new songs coming through. Uh, rewards in the W Online seasons include badges, clothing bundles, nail polish, and other as yet unspecified prizes. Uh, so that tweet that Ronnie posted, uh, tweeted out a couple of years ago, or actually four or five years ago now, uh, this is not a Barbie dress-up game, has aged very poorly indeed. I mean, it was poor at the time. Yeah. And it's just gotten worse. It really has. And, uh, you know, as far as the go-kart thing, I mean, it will not, I can guarantee it won't be life-changing like Garfield Kart. Oh. Like, there's no chance. How, how did I not default to go- Garfield Kart when, when that came up? Absolutely. My life has changed. My life has changed. But, you know, because of Garfield Kart, um, specifically. Yeah. You know, I think the thing is, is that, you know, you talked about how we've been an hour into the show and we haven't talked about NBA 2K22 when it's right around the corner from being released. I mean, what have they given us? What have they given consumers or potential consumers? You know, what have they given for info? What have they given for gameplay? What have they been getting, you know, outside of a couple screenshots and a couple vague dev notes, dev blogs? What have we gotten? Not a lot. So, uh, lot. you know, what I'm bad about it. In fact, um, shelving it and bringing it up an hour into the show serves them right. Uh, not that they probably care too much about what's going on on the NLSC podcast. Um, <laughs> well, 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 we, we're definitely them. not going to be the next next makers now. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Right, exactly. Right. I'll put in my application and I'll be like, you know, before you consider taking me, please tune in to episode <laughs> 390. Sp- sp- <laughs> spent hour talking about NBA Live 10 and And One Street Ball from 2005. <laughs> right, and talking about how NBA Playgrounds was poor um, in comparison in so, in so many ways. Yeah, but please, yeah. will you will you accept this application? If they did, I'd be shocked. My, 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 um, my 20 but... is the NLC is coming up. I'm, I'm going to 2K now. 
for sure. Jesus, just just wild. But yeah, they really haven't given us too much. But yeah, the Barbie dress up thing is hilarious because um, nail polish. You know, wouldn't it be something. Yeah, wouldn't it be something to just throw, be able to throw that in his face and have him have to acknowledge it? Mm. Be like, this is what you said. This is what's happened since. This is what's going on right now. Are you still standing by that? If so, um, you know, let's state your case. And if not, you know, jump in your go-kart and leave. So (laughs) it's absolutely ridiculous. A go-kart that is nothing like the life-changing Garfield kart, as we said. I want to point this out. I played Garfield kart with my girlfriend, and we had a blast. It might be life-changing. Are you saying that if uh, if you're single and you play Garfield Kart, you will get girls or or guys or, or you know whoever you're into? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a, there's a possibility. I think that that's possibly one of the best first date ideas. It beats going out for a cup of coffee. You're saying that Garfield Kart will change your love life, not just your life, but your love life specifically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. Well, as, as soon as we get out of lockdown here in uh, in New South Wales here in Australia, we'll see. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right up on the dating profile. <laughs> Want to play Garfield Kart? Do you think we're going to be the next next maker when we want to talk more about Garfield Kart than NBA 2K22? I mean, they want to talk more about go-karts than NBA 2K22, don't they? Or anything to do with basketball? So. That's a good point. No, that's a good point. Maybe they would take us. Who knows? There you go. We can, we can hype it up. Yeah. All, all snark aside, <laughs> all snark aside, uh, I do like the season's approach to, to my career. It, it worked out pretty well with my team. I wrote a Monday tip-off article about it. So I do like the idea. It is kind of ridiculous, some of those prizes. Uh, I did. Um, I do think that some of the prizes were underwhelming in my team this year, last year rather. I, I hope they do address that, and I hope that some of the reward levels that you have to grind a ridiculous amount of XP to get to the next level and not be rewarded with a particularly great reward. I mean, obviously, you get to 30, you get those inline skates to zip around the city and the neighborhood, and then a, a go-kart at 40. So, I mean, they're obviously looking to, do, to go big with some of these ideas, but I, I think things like bonuses to badge points or extra VC to really boost your player. Those are going to be the rewards that I think they should really focus on. And we'll see if they do that because I've seen there's a lot of clothing items. There's a, a suit if you want to be a drip god, I suppose. <laughs> and you can get a call to ball suit in that first uh, season's uh, rewards. Uh, good idea, but we'll see how the the uh, implementation, how the execution goes. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'm going to be doing. When I get NBA 2K22, I've already bought it for the PC. I'm going to have it for next gen as well. I'm going to jump in and look at the rosters, see if they made any changes to the tendencies and the ratings. And I am going to check out my team. Like I promised, I told you that on a prior post. Yep. And other than that, that's it. I'm not going to jump into online gaming. It's not my cup of tea as far as um, like 2k online gaming goes. I'm not going to jump into the wreck or anything like that. Um, I may, you may be able to pressure me into it if you want to team up with me. Um, or something like that. Um, but it's not something that I'm looking forward to or looking to jump into my career or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, you know, for me, it's modding on PC. It's playing legends with my brother, um, playing a, my NBA, if we like the game enough and checking out my team. So a lot of these updates, these, this, like this go-kart stuff, the, the Barbie stuff, um, you know, season-related stuff um, related to my career, all of that stuff. That uh, I care about that for other gamers, but for me, it's not something I'm going to touch. No, fair so, enough. Um, yeah. I mean, look, that would be interesting if you were up for it to like, to go into the wreck and to see how it goes, you know, just, just perhaps I could show you 
<laughs> what I've dealt with before. But I, I don't think I'll make a convert out of you because, quite frankly, I don't want to. I, I don't want to really go into it myself uh, moving forward, which is not to say that I won't because I think that we're part of keeping tabs on the community and being able to talk about that and write articles and, and make suggestions moving forward and also to uh, to do a proper review of the game to see how it all works. But there are definitely things that I'm not going to be touching as much as previous years. And uh, you know, I'll check out the season's approach. And it's, it should be good for my team as well, where you, you'll probably make better use of that. But it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it's implemented. But uh, as for the WNBA this year, uh, specifically the W and the W Online, which is the uh, the WNBA's career mode in 2K21. Again, this is a next-gen only uh, feature in 2K22, as it was in 2K21. Uh, they're saying there's an all-new badge progression system, which is basically the progression system from the NBA My Career with the four categories. And uh, instead of getting badges automatically as you level up, you can actually choose the badges this year. Uh, again, they're calling it all-new, but it's basically what we had uh, in previous games just in the NBA section, in the, in the NBA version of the mode. People were saying it was very similar to NBA Live 19. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, the badge loadouts yes, and progressions. Yes, yes. Sounds very similar. Yeah. It's very similar to traits, actually, yes. And you can actually save customized uh, loadouts, they're saying, this year, which is well, presumably we'll be able to do that with my career as well. We could, we could In the next gen of 2K21, you could take badges off and, and change the badges, but you couldn't save customized loadouts. So I I'm, I'm, wouldn't be surprised if you can do that for the NBA my career this year as well. There's new off-day uh, off events. Uh, they are team practices, scrimmages, and contact workouts. Scrimmages are short games. Team practices are similar, again, to the my career team practice sessions. Contact workouts will help you develop new skills. Connect with w, other WNBA players, past and present. Uh, you challenge them to games, get more XP, get rewards, things like that. So they're, they're expanding on that and making it a bit deeper, much as they did with uh, my career over the years. So they're putting, they're putting some work into that, which is nice. Once again, current gen is going to be left out in the cold here but they are putting the work in on next-gen. Uh, the W is uh, W Online are actually going to be able to connect with friends before you go into the games. Last year, you basically had to hit join game at the same time when you're online and hope that it connected you. So they have added the play with friends functionality to the W Online, which was definitely needed. So they're, they're spicing up that mode and, and putting the putting the extra depth to it. So that, that is nice to see that they're doing that. But it also concerns me, Derek, that if they're doing that, eventually they're probably going to add microtransactions to it because they didn't have it last year, but the deeper it gets, the more likely it is to have the microtransactions, unfortunately. One thing I, I do appreciate, I don't know if there's any pressure for them to do it or whatnot, I do appreciate the attention to the WNBA because we all know that that's not the um, the meat of their game. That's not what's going to drive traffic, right? Like, it's not going to drive the traffic that the NBA modes are going to drive or, um, you know, the rec league games, uh, all of that stuff. Like I, I actually really appreciate the fact that they're putting that much effort into the WNBA. Agreed. And I think the league needs that. I think that they need that promotion. And I think that the women do deserve that. I think, you know, it's a, it's the women's professional NBA. And, um, so I will say, you know, props to NBA 2K for at least doing that for, you know, giving the, um, attention the ladies deserve, um, from that league. And that league deserves in general. You got to do if you're going to put Candace Parker in your 25th anniversary WNBA 25th anniversary edition GameStop exclusive. You need to do some work with the WNBA. I mean, again, it doesn't sound like much is going into current gen, but you know, at least do it for next gen because that is your flagship game. And and as you say, not necessarily the flagship mode, the WNBA modes. But if you're going to have that in the game, do it right and put in that attention to detail. You know, harkening back to our NBA Live 10 discussion, those little details do stand out. So. 
you know, people were interested in playing the WNBA mode. We, we saw that there's comments at the forum, social media, Reddit, etc. So yeah, good on them for, for doing that. Having said that, that is basically all we have this week. Those two developer blogs. Next week is going to be gameplay and my team. Uh, from memory, uh, yes, gameplay and my team will be coming in the uh, in this uh, this next week, starting uh, August thirtieth. So there'll be probably a couple more blogs at least where we'll learn a bit more about that uh, seasons we've learned about in my team. But they'll be going into the sub modes and other content and what they're doing with cards and and whatnot this year, I'm sure. So we will be hearing about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess we we weren't. Too thrilled about the news this week, uh, go-karts aside, obviously, uh, but it is no Garfield kart, as we've said before, but uh, that, that is the news for 2K22 this week. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if you know NBA 2K23 comes around the corner and the way the game's progressing, um, that you can have a career as a runway model. How about that? Well, apparently, that, that? That, like, <laughs> apparently there, you can have one as a DJ or a yeah. recording the artist. It's going, and then we can really shove that in Ronnie 2K's face. Here you go. Yeah, it's just, I, uh, you know how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it gives us something to joke about, and and and, and further alienate 2K and the uh, next maker program, I suppose. But well, we uh, we didn't figure we'd really be up for that anyway. But uh, so that is the news. But before we wrap up this week, we are going to bring back the mailbag once again. We have a couple of topics to discuss. Thank you to our listeners for sending in these topics. First comes from Leader of the Foot Clan. Isn't that uh, Orokosaki Shredder, um, the Leader of the Foot Clan? But <laughs> no, it is... Uh... No, one of my favorite Nintendo games of all time. NES games, um, te- the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a great and, game. And the arcade game by Konami, of course. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic yep. game. Uh, Leader of the Foot Clan at uh, aka underscore Chuck underscore Cross on uh, Twitter. Suggests talking a little bit about, uh, of course, Rob Jones and uh, Scotty Gallagher, you know, OG, going to EA, but of course no NBA Live in sight. Uh, why do we think they left uh, 2K, was to resurrect NBA Live, or maybe they didn't like the direction of 2K? Um, whether we'd like to speculate on that. Uh, yeah, uh, and actually TG So Good uh, says that he believes that uh, OG's working on, um, on on the golf game, on, on EA's uh, golf game. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I would have thought that the two of them go, leaving 2K to go to EA would uh, herald the return of NBA Live. That was certainly the speculation that we all uh, speculated. That was what we all believed. Uh, that remains to be seen what's happening with Live, as we've discussed in so many shows before. But yeah, it is interesting that they made that career move. And maybe it still is. People got to remember this only happened recently. Maybe they're still going to be part of the bringing back of a simulation basketball title, whether it be NBA Live or um, otherwise uh, for EA Sports, uh, maybe that could still be in the works. Remember, they just came out recently and said that they were still working on an HD game, basketball title. Um, So maybe a bigger delay than I thought there would be, because remember, I I predicted that they were going to come back for NBA Live 22, and that, that that could be the only reason why they brought Scott O'Gallagher and Rob Jones on board, all of that stuff, because that's the way it looked, right? Like, yep. why do you bring, what, especially Scott O'Gallagher, who lives and breeds basketball. That's what he, he was an overseas player. Um, he worked on NBA 2K. We, people only know, from what, I, from what I gather, Scott O'Gallagher from hoops. So you would think that's the logical thing. That's what he's being brought on board for especially after EA's announcement that said they weren't abandoning the series and they were working on something for next gen. So I still think that it's possible. I still think that Scott O'Gallagher and Rob Jones would probably play a part in a new basketball sim title. It's just, there's a bigger delay than I originally expected. So that's my take on it. 
I still think that they would be involved. And that is interesting, though, from the from the goods, from TG So Good, that Scott um, could be working or helping out with, like, the um, EA Sports golf titles. But, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, OG does mention in his Twitter uh, bio that he is a creative director at EA, not specifically on basketball or any other specific project. Um, yeah, so it could be that they're working on different projects while they... Uh, continue to build the return of NBA Live or, or a sim basketball game, a HD basketball game, as, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly seemed logical that, that you'd bring on two key people from this very successful NBA 2K Live series. Of course, before he worked on uh, 2K, uh, Scott was working for NBA Live and NBA Live 14 when he appeared on the LLC podcast. We talked to him on the, <laughs> just when he was uh, working on NBA Live 14. So, yeah, it, it, seem, it seems likely. And as, as far as why they left, I mean sort of feel a bit uncomfortable speculating on on somebody's professional career but um i mean yeah it, it could be that they didn't like the way 2k was going maybe that maybe they wanted just a, a change of uh you know, change of scene i mean you've, you've, you've done all felt you've done everything you can with it with a certain series and uh you know it's we are in that uh era where you don't necessarily work for a company for 40 years and get that gold watch at the end as they say you know back in the day you, you do look up for these new opportunities um for many reasons personal and uh, and professional satisfaction so it, certainly 2k is going in a direction that we've go-karts <laughs> so maybe they didn't want to work on on um, 2k kart who knows um but yeah certainly it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens moving forward because they're obviously keeping mum which is their right that is their job that is their personal life um as much as they're kind of pseudo public figures be, being you know within the basketball gaming community but uh yeah interesting yeah i mean i played some nba live 18 yesterday with the live king um, he connected with me on Parsec and I streamed from my Xbox one and we played a game and, you know, I look back and, you know, and you see how NBA live 19 was released and yeah, it was a frustrating title in many ways, especially after patches, but it had good bones, um, and something for that they could work off of, you know, playing them NBA live 18 yesterday. I'm like, they have something to work with, right? That's why I thought that the NBA Live 22 was a possibility, even though they came on um, late in what would have been the development cycle um, for that game. And, you know, as far as having bones in place that they can work with and a system that works, um, that was pretty well received overall for NBA Live 19 as far as the motion system system goes. Uh, yeah, that's why I thought it could be a possibility. Um, it was refreshing to actually play some NBA Live 18 yesterday, and I actually really enjoyed myself. And, and I was a pretty harsh critic of NBA Live 18 when it first came out. But, yeah, you know, like I'll, I'll just leave it at this again. It doesn't mean that it, he's not working on something else. Like you said, he's the creative director at EA Sports. It doesn't say creative director for NBA Live or Basketball Sim. So he could be working on the golf game, but also on the side, also be helping out with direction or working on and another in another capacity on a basketball title. So I'm not counting out Scott O'Gallagher as part of the future of the EA Sports basketball series. And the same with Rob Jones. We don't know what's going on with him either. Absolutely. They could be you know, lending a hand in uh, many areas. And we will, <laughs> once again, we can only see what happens with the future of NBA Live. But our second mailbag topic this week comes from uh, BB8 Tech Dad at BB8 underscore tech on Twitter. Shout out to you. By the way, BB has a fantastic uh, NBA Jam Shrine. He, he, he tweeted that as, uh, what a great setup. I mean, not only does he have the arcade machine, the um, NBA Jam arcade machine, but he also has the Sega Genesis console game boxes um, mounted on his wall. Very cool. And framed nba jam poster and whatnot and nba jam stools for the arcade machine and stuff he 
he's a retro gamer through and through and a big NBA Jam fan. And I thought that was really cool that he shared that. Definitely. And thank you, uh, Bibi, for sharing that with us. And, uh, and of course, this uh, topic this week wants to know how we feel about ratings that are too high compared to historical players of the 80s and 90s. Current player ratings, that is. Feels that they're too inflated. Uh, one of his biggest issues is that uh, so many classic players and how they've got uh, just, and we've talked about this before, uh, the jump shot of Dominic Wilkins. I know that's a, a particular pet peeve that you brought up. And, and Clyde Drexler, of course. And his play style says it's not looks like they don't have a, a, a clue. The height and the jump is wrong. A lot of the animations are wrong. Uh, feels that they don't watch much footage or know much about the historical game. And yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. And, and absolutely, you know, this is a something we do feel very strongly about. We brought up Tim Duncan's three-point rating on the 2005 Spurs, how wrong that was and how that's indicative of a lot of problems with not just the 80s and 90s teams in 2K, but also the 2000s as well, the retro teams and, and, and current players as well. And it does seem like there are some politics coming into play as far as not offending the recent players, the, the, the contemporary players, I should say. And there are some inflated ratings. You look back at the 2K14 we mentioned last week, how you've got players that are really run the gamut of ratings from the mid to high 60s right up to in the 90s for the stars right down to the role players. That's the role players now having ratings in the 80s, 75 and higher sometimes. So there's, there's definitely something some inflation going on there with the ratings and unfortunately the historical players haven't benefited from it either there's a lot of copy and paste as we've said before uh with with the animations and everything and, it, and yeah it uh it bothers bothers me certainly and i know it bothers you so and, and you've done threads you've made threads of it on twitter about this derek you know so i know how passionately you feel about this uh and rightfully so yeah i've made long threads on this highlighting a lot of the stuff like jason williams having a zero on flashy pass yeah. Uh, or like a very low alley-oop pass tendency. Um, David Wesley having a 95 on alley-oop dunk um, tendencies. Jermaine uh, O'Neal having like a seven on post-up tendency and Carlos Boozer having a zero on it. Like they won't post up. Like they don't care about that stuff. It's just spreadsheet copy and paste for most of the players. Um, you know, Billy Cunningham having a complete copy and paste of Blake Griffin's signatures for his shooting and his first dunk package. And all of that stuff, it's just, bam, we're going to give Blake, we're going to give, we don't care about Billy Cunningham and how he actually played and how he shot and, you know, what his capabilities are. We're just going to make him a copy, signature-wise, completely of Blake Griffin. Um, and they do that even with guys like Tracy McGrady for tendencies and whatnot. Um, he's a complete copy and paste for almost all of his tendencies. As another player, I'd have to look up who it was again. Um, but I posted side-by-side -side screenshots of both the tendencies proving this. Um, it drives me absolutely nuts. I mean, they, they have guys today like Brooke Lopez, um, who is multiple ratings higher than a guy like, um, you know, overall rating higher than a guy like Daryl Dawkins, a young Daryl Dawkins, who was very good, way more involved, um, et cetera, with his team and um, was a better player at that point. It's just... It's very disrespectful, and I'm surprised more former players don't, uh, you know, speak up about this. I think most former players don't know. They're just like, oh, I'm in the game, and then they trust it. Um, but it, 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 it's absolutely not fair, and it, makes, it, it creates a toxic basketball discussion as well, as you and I have talked about many times before. And, you know, these kids play these video games, and they're like, oh, you know more than people who work on the rosters for 2K? Um, you know, 2K makes these guys so poor and the players, the classic teams play so poor as a result that kids take this and they run with it and they say, well, this, this area, this era was full of plumbers. 
yeah. right? This this area was full of <laughs> yeah. They played slow, and how can you compare the the classic teams to today? And it's people don't understand how much it impacts the perception of the game. You know, when we were growing up, what did we collect? Basketball cards, right? And we play basketball video games as well. But, you know, stuff like that forms perceptions about the game. And when kids get their, um, they get their hands on the sticks and these guys move like slugs and J- J- uh, Dirk Nowitzki is a 25 or something with speed with ball and he's running up the court and he's like, looks like he's running in mud. That creates a thought in this person's head that Dirk was incredibly slow, which he wasn't. He he ran point sometimes, like point forward, you know, flying up and down the court. I've I've shown videos of this uh, and whatnot. So, no, it, it's absolutely it drives me absolutely nuts. And they get they've been getting away with it for so long. I showed screenshots of NBA 2K16, um, some of the same tendencies that are in NBA 2K21 um, for these players, the copy and paste stuff. And um, it's not it's just not right. You know, another to give people an idea of how they do this with no regard and they think that nobody is going to notice. You know how they put Mario Chalmers back in the game? Like they put Mario Chalmers back into the classic teams on the heat. Oh, yes. And instead of working on Mario Chalmers, they copied all of his signatures, a complete copy and paste of Mike Conley. Yeah. So very different players. Right. Yeah. Very different players. But and, and if you want, um, if you use Ray for Austin, um, so skip to my Lou on the 0708 Rockets. His signatures are a complete copy and paste right down to the shooting form of Kyrie Irving. It's like, you know what? Screw Ray for Austin. We're just going to throw together. Um, we're just going to copy and paste a current player onto him for his signatures and call it a day. I and mean, I just think it's really disrespectful. And I understand that that's not like it's Kyrie Irving. Like, okay, that helps. That's great for Ray for Austin. But it's really not. Yeah, I mean, the, the dribbling is there, but the rest of it's not really... It's not a one-to-one, shall we say. And here's the thing. Obviously, it has that... It, it's inaccurate, which is inappropriate for a sim game. It does represent the NBA in its history poorly, and it does feed a, a very toxic discussion about real-life basketball, obviously, in its history. So I, I absolutely share your frustrations there. But if nothing else... The there's a lot of historical content in 2K, which on the surface is great, but that lack of quality undermines the quantity, and that's that's a shame. Yeah, it, it's because the quantity is what makes the money. The fact that they can advertise the quantity and hey, we have all of these classic teams, um, and they know that the younger generation of players aren't going to look into that into the players and how they're made and whatnot. And they're just going to go with the flow. Um, They'll maybe move players from team to team, but they're not going to go in and edit the tendencies or look at the ratings or understand the signatures and the copy and paste and everything. So that's why they've been able to get away with it for so many years. I mean, uh, Stauffer, who's working, you know, Mike, who's working on the rosters, are very highly regarded as as one of the community roster makers. That's why they hired him from the community back in the day. It's, I don't think it's a case of a lack of knowledge or, or care or, or, or uh, you know, wanting to research or, or, or do the work. I, I do think it does come down to politics and, and pushing the now as, as being better and, and rating the players higher accordingly or tuning the game in a certain way as far as dunk packages and, and tendencies and whatnot so that players can, the gamers can play a certain way that matches the current style even with classic players or 
or just simply not being a priority. You know, I, I don't think it's a, ca- a case of that he doesn't care or, or doesn't know his stuff because, again, his, rate, his uh, rosters and ratings and, and whatnot and edits were very well regarded or tended to be very well regarded in the community and seems like a cool guy and, uh, you know, talks about the game and, and seems to know his stuff on on, uh, on Twitter and, you know, knows a thing or two about the basketball and the history of the sport. But I do think politics, such as it is, or, or directives, whatever you want to call it, come into play that do result in these... Uh, this lack of accuracy and, and uh, lack of attention to detail. And it's, it is unfortunate because it does lead to so many problems, obviously with the wider conversation about the game, real and virtual, and also just the, the experience on the sticks. It's a shame. And it does undermine the quantity to have such uh, a lack of quality. You're being way too nice and generous there. Um, I think it's a combination of the suit's direction, so priorities, um, and lack of knowledge and laziness. I think it's all of it. I think if you're a programmer and you just do a copy, if, if, if I'll tell you what, if you're a programmer and you copy and paste Mike Conley's signatures exactly onto Mario Chalmers and you just do that and leave it that way, it's lazy. I don't care. I don't care if there's a direction from the suit that just says copy and paste. I doubt that that's the exact direction either. No, it's to be honest with yeah. you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, if you do that and you're doing that copy and paste stuff and you put all of LeBron's um, signatures, his um, shooting signatures and all that stuff right on J.R. Ryder, which is another thing they do, um, if you're doing that, that's lazy. And it's also the suit's fault. So it's the dev's fault for even implementing it. And it's also the suit's fault for not making it more of a priority and getting the right people on those rosters um, in order to fix them and make them more accurate. And there's the politics, like you had stated, of, of trying to make, uh, glorify today's game uh, as well and market it. So I think it's a slew of different things, a combination. But if you're if you're responsible for even doing one of those copies and pastes, you're guilty and you're no, lazy. That, that's, that's true. But uh, hey, yeah. at least I've worked on go kart physics, so that's uh, something. Right. But, and, and, exactly. and it is why we you know we do snark at that because there are so many other things in the game that really should be that the two K used to do much better many years ago that we would rather them focus on and would make a much better product. And yeah, who, who is asking for this? And that, that's why, you know, we, we often facetiously bring up shoelace physics as kind of that, as our go-to snarky example of focusing on things that are, are a kind of a cool detail in their own right, but don't impact the gameplay as much as more pressing issues. And yeah, that, that is definitely one. This is why I absolutely hate when people say, well, the t- there's a team that works on that. The team that works on this piece of the game um, isn't necessarily going to work on the roster. So you can't blah, blah, blah. No, we get one product, right? That's, and, and you know what? If, if, if they are going um, nuts like we talked about on the cosmetic stuff, and then at the same time, we see that all of the roster and copy and paste stuff, that's all one product that we're getting, that we're commenting on, that we're critiquing. You, you damn right, it's going to make us and a lot of people out there um, frustrated when we see all of this extra stuff, all of this marketing, all of the cosmetic stuff, all of the fit stuff, the makeup stuff, the, all the stuff, the go-karts, all that stuff. When we see all of that, and then we see complete copy and paste jobs on the rosters. Okay, so I absolutely can't stand the well, he doesn't work on that or or this department works on that and this department works on that. We're commenting on one product that we receive that we pay for. And it's one right? vision. All, 
Right, right. So yeah, th- that's the point I wanted to make. That's just a frustrating point when I see feedback. Well, he doesn't work. No, we're commenting on the entire product that we paid for. On the plus side, maybe Dennis Rodman will have his right shade of nail polish now. So that that at least will be realistic um, <laughs> moving forward. But um, yes, uh, but thank you for the question. Uh, I think the short answer is yes, there are a lot of problems. And we're, we're absolutely with uh, BB-8 Tech Dad on this, Derek, that we, we, we do despair about these, these issues. And of course, yes, we have the tools to fix them but we shouldn't have to fix them every year either. Right, exactly. That takes hours upon hours upon hours. Like I said, said in that thread, I had spent 20-plus hours straight of trying to fix some of the retro stuff, and I probably only got to, like, 1% of it. And yeah. that was, like, 20-plus hours of my time trying to work on that stuff. And I only showed less than 1% of the issues in that incredibly long thread that actually ended up making a splash on Twitter and also on Reddit. But obviously not a big enough splash because NBA 2K21 was released after for next gen, and it still has all of that stuff. So it's like, you know, screw us and screw the players and screw the teams of the past. So your your your, uh, your mistake was mentioning go-karts in the, uh, in the post and the... Never should have mentioned that. Yeah. And it's my fault. But uh, thank you to, uh, to BB-8 Tech Dad and also to uh, Leader of the Foot Clan for the uh, questions, the topic suggestions this week. If you'd like to get involved with the mailbag, uh, podcast at mb-live.com or hit us up on any of our socials or in the forum. We'll be reading off our social accounts uh, shortly. But uh, yes, that has brought us to the end of episode number 390 of the NLC podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week to hear us talk about basketball video games. We hope you enjoyed the show. The show comes out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is emmy-live.com, of course. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just to name a few. On those platforms, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Any way you'd like to tune in and listen to the show, as long as you're enjoying it, that is the main thing. And of course, if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we certainly would appreciate it. And with that being said, Derek, where can we find you on socials and any other final words for our listeners this week? Uh, keep submitting those top 10 highlights. I love seeing them. Uh, and get at me on NLSC to do so. You can DM me or get at me on Twitter at D for 384 or at D for 3G and submit those highlights. I feel like the top 10 has been just awesome. And we're already on week. We just uh, released week 15 and next week will be week 16. So what's crazy is we've already about four months into this. And uh, it's definitely not getting old. If anything, people are more excited about it than ever. Uh the, the this week's top 10 even you mentioned it might be the best one yet and um yeah i i already have some highlights for next week that were submitted and it's going to be amazing also keep tuned to the nba live 10 tournament action uh, i'll be updating the forum post um on the nlsc that i created in the parsec section we may move that to the featured content section we'll have to have a discussion about that as well you can reach me, uh, you can listen to our podcast, Holding Court with G for Three. Um, I do want to record an episode, and I want to talk about the ABA with you, so we'll hopefully do that soon. We're on Apple Podcasts, um, CLNS Media, uh, Amazon Audible, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, etc. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at D for 384 and at D for 3G. Uh, I'm on YouTube uploading videos, um, real basketball and video games, um, video game basketball, D for Three, and I'm on Instagram. D for three and on the NLSC forums, D for three. Once again, thank you so much for all the kind words as I celebrated my 20th anniversary of running the NLSC. It's certainly been a wild ride, as I said, 
for the last 20 years, I have been Andrew in the forum, and that is what I continue to be. And I am Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook, at the NLSC. We're on Instagram, NLSC Basketball. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Center, And of course, give it luck to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>